0: Hello and welcome to the Bitten Word Podcast. I'm Christine. And I'm Ashley. Welcome into season six. We're coming in hot with The Hobbit. Um, I don't really have any news or anything for you guys. but (laughs) (laughs) We're so boring. It's
1: been like two months and we have no news. (laughs)
0: I know. I'm sorry. Um, So we're just kind of jumping right in, but we're glad you're here. Thanks for coming back and listening. Um, So let's get into it so um as if you don't already know the hobbit was written by J.R.R. tolkien and we've talked about tolkien before and we did our um episode about aelin stew from the extended version of the two towers um and that was of course about the movies which J.R.R. tolkien was not involved in because he was dead but <laughs> <laughs> but it is obviously based on his source material and we delved quite a bit into like the lore of lord of the rings um and so, The Hobbit is, it was actually a children's story, which Lord of the Rings was not, but it was released in 1937, and this was, um, you know, after, like, J.R.R. Tolkien had served in, like, World War One, and and stuff like that and so after its success the publisher asked for a sequel to the hobbit and that's kind of i think when he started working on lord of the rings and he was going kind of back and forth making minor changes to the hobbit to kind of make it like retcon into like the lord of the rings world that he was expanding on which i think was kind of interesting yeah i i mean I'm, in, I'm like intrigued by this idea that he's like i published a book now it's different <laughs> you know like (laughs) i'm just gonna keep changing it yeah well fellowship of the rings was released in 1954 whoa um so that's like a long time after hobbit um and then the silmarillion was published in 1977 and so it's and i think that might have actually been been published posthumously um but that's kind of what's funny about it is that he was sort of, like, jumping back and forth in the timeline of, like, Middle Earth. um, But, like, with these massive spans in between. So, can you even imagine, like, reading The Hobbit as a kid and being like, this is the greatest, I want more. And then you're, like, 30 years old. I know, right? And you're like, oh, look, <laughs> another one. So...
1: Um, you might be like yeah i don't care anymore
0: yeah i know right and it's and it's like so different i mean if you've read lord of the rings and the hobbit they have very very different feels it's i mean it's clear that the hobbit was met and when we say children's story children's story by the standard of the 30s yeah like people are dying (laughs) like you said (laughs) that i was
1: like is that yeah
0: it technically it really is i mean they put it in like the children's section and stuff um but yeah well and they made that like really horrendous cartoon in like the 80s or whatever
1: that thing's like really scary
0: (laughs) it is it's horrible i i remember going to a friend's house and they were watching it and i was just like oh my gosh what is this and it was like terrifying (laughs) um but yeah so i mean it's kind of dark for a kid's book um although i would argue not as dark as lord of the rings um no no definitely not yeah but i mean if you look at it from the perspective of like children's books that were written in the 30s it's like totally different i mean you know you're reading like the lion the witch and the wardrobe right yeah. versus like i don't know what do kids read today captain underpants yeah, Captain. Yeah, Captain <laughs> Underpants. Right, his magic tree house. <laughs>
1: like, as different as you can get.
0: Oh yeah, totally. It's like the Hobbit is like sophisticated, and Captain Underpants is, literally has a character named Pippy Pee Poopy Pants. Yeah.
1: So this <laughs> is the thing. This is why I think people have issues with literacy and education because that is what kids read in the 30s or in yeah. even like the 60s. They were reading you know, these things. And I read them to my kids now and they feel like literature, you know? They feel that way, but that was normal for people to read things like that at a young age. And the fact that it seems like it's difficult language for kids now, I'm like, what happened? Like, I I don't know why that is. Well, I think
0: part of it is just like a change of like actually catering to kids' interests, you Mm -hmm.
1: know? Because it's like if you- extraordinarily popular even among kids like with even all the way through like the 70s
0: well i think some of it too has to do with like attention span right because it's like kids in the 30s probably had a lot more attention span for like long drawn out narratives where they were following plots and characters versus like if i tried to read sterling something like that he has no freaking idea what's going on half the time (laughs) um But he likes, he remembers, you know, Captain Underpants and all the stupid crap he does. So yeah, so if you read The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings, there really is a stark difference in the way that they're written. And so it is clear that The Hobbit is written for a younger audience. But yeah, according to like today's standards, that it feels really old. Like it feels like it's written for an older audience.
1: Yeah, it's more of like a jaunt. Yes, yes. It's more fun. It's more like, here's just an adventure story in these little vignettes that happen. Whereas Lord of the Rings really, really, it delves a little bit deeper into like themes of evil and good and, you know, has this really long drawn out narrative and way too many elf songs. <laughs> um
0: well, and that's exactly how I described it. When I was talking to somebody about it, I was saying I kind of prefer The Hobbit because it does. It feels more like a jaunt. It's just like, here's a fun adventure we're going on. And like people die and that's sad. And there is like a war, but or maybe not a war, but a battle, you know? And it's, so yeah. it does feel like it's not just light and like totally uplifting, mm-hmm. but it is like definitely lighter. Yeah. Whereas Lord of the Rings feels more like an epic, you know, where you are reading this book big huge effort you know on like the part of people to save the world um and so it's different um but the main character is bilbo baggins who if you've seen the movies or if you've read the book you probably recognize as frodo's crazy uncle Mm -hmm. um and he sets off on an adventure with a band of dwarves plus gandalf to who at this point is like a new character um they don't he doesn't know gandalf um, Whereas in Lord of the Rings, he's like the beloved weirdo who shows up every once in a while
1: and shoots off fireworks. Because of Bilbo, because he has a relationship yeah. with Bilbo, and so he comes and visits periodically. Yeah.
0: And he's been around for 50 or 60 years at that point. Mm-hmm. So um he goes with them to recover their homeland and treasure that is buried um, in it under the lonely mountain from a dragon named smaug um and the hobbits are very well known for not being adventurous and that is like one of their mainstays of personality it's basically like eating smoking not adventuring that's like the hobbit um (laughs) but, but he uh the dwarves wanted a 13th man for their party and they put it up to gandalf to decide who it would be and he decided that bilbo would be a good Addition, presumably because he belongs to sort of this disreputable family among the hobbits, the Tooks, who are known to be adventurous. And that's why they're disreputable among the hobbits, because yes. it's like, oh, those Tooks, they go on adventures, <laughs> which is so funny <laughs> to me. <laughs> but, um, this is part of the reason too though that um Bilbo's nephew Frodo ends up taking the ring to Mordor in Lord of the Rings mm-hmm. is because he has that Took blood that makes him like you know it's like oh well you can handle this.
1: Um I think he's a little different than Bilbo though it's I think different Bilbo, yeah. He really did want an adventure. I think yeah, Frodo craved kind it. Of like, yeah. I think Frodo just kind of like dreamed about it idly and said no that sounds fun but in the end it was not something he wanted to do which i think is actually a big part of the narrative of lord of the rings the fact that he is sacrificing so much in order to do the job that he's been given you know he doesn't want to do it it's like power that has been thrust upon him a responsibility that has been thrust upon him you know but he and he takes it anyway
0: so yeah i totally agree i was thinking that too actually when i was writing this that it's kind of like you look at these characters and it's like when you look at siblings and you're like, they're so similar because they come from the same family, but they have completely different personalities kind of a thing, you know. And I think a lot of the difference really does come from the fact that Bilbo's adventure really was like... It was a grand adventure. It was like, yeah. And then we went off and we fought trolls and we fought goblins and oh my gosh and all this stuff happened. But like, it was so cool. And then I came home with all this treasure and some of my friends died and it was kind of sad. Whereas Frodo, yeah, that's the thing is that Bilbo too didn't think he wanted adventure until he was presented with the opportunity, and then he realized mm-hmm. he really did want that.
1: Whereas Frodo, yeah, just kind of thought about it idly. He, he it. what? it's kind of the opposite like he thought he wanted adventure then when yeah. presented the opportunity he was like wait no <laughs>
0: <laughs> well i'm sure it was scarier too because with frodo it wasn't sure. this opportunity of like hey we're doing a heist Want to come with us it was like frodo if you don't do this the world will collapse and evil will yeah.
1: be well it was that burden mm-hmm. you know yes and, and it was his burden to bear basically alone and thank goodness for samwise Gamgee, who's yeah. like kept him going and helped him even though he couldn't bear the burden he was like there to support you know but he did it it felt like he was alone It didn't feel like he was part of the group and you know people turn on him and it's just like so much harder of a journey
0: yeah I mean everybody else Everybody else was support, right? Like they were there to help him get the ring there, but mm-hmm. he was the only one who could actually bear the ring and the only one who could actually destroy it.
1: It's kind of like in Spoilers, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, yeah. when like they like, he's wearing Slytherin's locket, the Horcrux, you know, and it messes with his mind and his emotions and stuff, but he has people that he can pass it off to. Mm-hmm. He can say, here, hermione wear it for a minute and so he feels better and she gets grumpy you know yeah and frodo can't do that so that sucks for him because yeah, <laughs>
0: sam tries at one point and he yeah. can't like he yep. can't deal with it so yeah i mean it's 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 different um in that sense but it is interesting though to like compare the characters especially because i feel like bilbo becomes so much more confident after this yeah. and so much like so much less willing to deal with people's crap and this yeah. is like really indicative in like the beginning of fellowship of the rings when he's when he's a when he has his 111st birthday party and he just like insults everybody and bails <laughs> <He's> just, like, <laughs> peace and, like leaves um and then he leaves in his will like yeah all these people get all this crap but it's like I leave to blah blah like a writing desk and in an ink pot, you know, and it's like because they never answered letters, you know, and stuff yeah. like that, and like a bookshelf because he stole all my books, <laughs> so it's they're all just like really petty, like really funny gifts.
1: And then so. Frodo, at the end of his journey, like folds in on himself and runs away to be with the elves on the other side of the world or whatever. When human, yeah, over. he does.
0: So- but he also i think just suffered a lot of trauma you know oh my gosh yeah <laughs> he deserves so, to in quiet with the elves. okay so part of the reason he chooses bilbo also is because he is a hobbit and they are known for being small and stealthy and smaug who is well acquainted with the scent of dwarf has never smelled a hobbit before so he thinks this will work in his favor tactical decision yes <clears throat> so oh because you know he's being hired as the burglar so oh yeah that's right (laughs) him to sneak in and like steal things so this book is also the first time that we see Gollum and the one ring um on bilbo's adventure he ends up under the goblin domain and finds the one ring which Gollum has dropped and putting it on allows him to disappear from the goblin site and escape and then he runs into Gollum, with whom he plays a game of riddles and he eventually manages to escape with the ring which serves as a plot device to help bilbo steal from Smaug, and then we later find out that it is the one ring, and this is what launches, you know, Frodo's whole quest. Now let's talk about the food. Bilbo just wants to be left alone, like any self respecting hobbit, but Gandalf, being Gandalf, tricks him into hosting a party of dwarves. So basically, Gandalf <laughs> shows up at his door and is like, Hey, what's going on? And Bilbo's like, Hey, I just kind of want to sit here and smoke on my porch, leave me alone. <laughs> and Gandalf's <laughs> like, That's cool. Um, I'm gonna come back. <laughs> he's like, okay, please don't. And so then, the next day, Gandalf shows up again. Or, no, he says the next day that he's going to come for tea, and Bilbo's like, okay, fine. And then he hears a knock on the door, and it is Balin, the dwarf. And he's no, like, Hi. Yeah, he's like, okay, who are you? And he's like, hey, I'm just, <laughs> you know, here for tea. And he's like, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like <wecks> <laughs> yeah and so then he hears another knock and he's like oh there's Gandalf and he opens the door and it's Dwalin and he's like hey I'm here for tea and he's like okay I've already got another dwarf in my house whatever <laughs> and so it's just a very awkward situation all alone all around but um but
1: you want a party like that
0: oh yes I was we'll talk <laughs> about this later okay. but um so he ends up hosting 13 dwarves, Dwalin, Balin, Fili, Kili, Dori, Nori, Ori, Oin, Gloin and Bifur, Bofur, Bomber. Um, the and then they're are absolutely
1: ridiculous.
0: Oh, I know. Okay. And and it's <laughs> worth noting here or I don't know if it's worth noting, but in case you're wondering about this, the rhyming names slash alliterative names indicate brothers. Yeah. So like Dwalin and Balin mm-hmm. are brothers, Fili and Kili are brothers, Dori, Nori, oh. so on
1: actually even though the names are ridiculous that is helpful.
0: <laughs> it is helpful actually. It is it is helpful to kind of separate them out and remember who's who. Um and then they the party also includes there would be King Thorn Oakenshield. So Bilbo answers door thinking it's going to be Gandalf only to find one dwarf after another just appearing at his door demanding food and Bilbo because I'm not rude Baggins lets them all in and they <laughs> proceed to raid his pantry. Okay, so we have two quotes here and one of them was going to be a little long just because i kind of want to give you a sense of how bilbo is feeling in these situations this is so funny my so my copy of of i have like a box set of the hobbit and lord of the rings and they're like these small like smaller than my hand leather bound books with this like thin scripture paper and so every time I flip through them I feel like I'm like ah the unexpected party chapter two verse one like I feel like I'm like flipping through a bible <laughs> and so it's it's kind of funny I see they've begun to arrive already he said when he caught sight of Dwallin's green hood hanging up he hung his red one next to it and said in at your service and he said with his hand on his breast also I just realized I got it backwards Dwallin showed up first and then Ballin showed up <laughs> thank you said bilbo with a gasp it was not the correct thing to say but they have begun to arrive had flustered him badly he liked visitors but he liked to know them before they arrived, and he preferred to ask them himself he had a a horrible thought that the cakes might run short and then he as the host he knew his duty and stuck to it however painful he might have to go without come along in and have some tea he managed to say after taking a deep breath A little beer would suit me better if it's all the same to you, my good sir, said Balin with the white beard, but I don't mind some cake, seed cake, if you have any. Lots, Bilbo found himself answering to his own surprise, and he found himself scuttling off too to the cellar to fill a pint beer mug, and then to a pantry to fetch two beautiful round seed cakes, which he had baked that afternoon for his after-supper morsel. Okay, so that's the first uh, part of the party that we see as they come in, and the demands that they make. So it's before you read this next part it is worth noting that um as the hobbit or sorry, as the dwarves are coming in, they're requesting things like coffee and cakes and buttered scones and all kinds of other food. Um so then it says Now we are all here, said Gandalf, looking at the row of thirteen hoods, the best detachable party hoods, and his own hat hanging on the pegs. Quite a merry gathering. I hope there's something left for the latecomers to eat and drink what's that tea no thank you a little red wine i think for me and for me said thorin and raspberry jam and apple parts apple part sorry (laughs) and raspberry jam and apple tart said biffer and mince pies and cheese said bofer and pork (laughs) pie and salad said bomber and more cakes and ale and coffee if you don't mind called the other dwarfs through the door put on a few eggs there good fellow gandalf called after him as the hobbit stumped off to the pantries and just bring out the cold chicken and pickles seems to know as much about the inside of my larders as I do myself, thought Mr. Baggins, who was feeling positively flummoxed and was beginning to wonder whether a most wretched adventure had not come right into his house. By the time he'd gotten all the bottles and dishes and knives and forks and glasses and plates and spoons and things piled on the big trays, he was getting very hot and red in the face and annoyed. Confusticate and be bother these dwarves, he said aloud. Why don't they come and lend a hand?
1: Seriously, though, like... (laughs) you're gonna ask for that much stuff how do you first of all how do you even know that he has it and second of all like nobody's even gonna get the plates like what jerk yeah (laughs) so
0: he (laughs) yeah at this point they're just treating him like a short order cook right i that's my favorite part because it's it's one thing if it's like hey you have all this crap in your pantry can you bring it out but gandalf's like fry me some eggs man (laughs) like like, make us some more scones (laughs) I don't know, because I feel like if I went to somebody's house, right, and they offered me tea, I wouldn't, there's no way I would be like, oh, do you have Coke? You know, like, I would just right? be like, yes or no, or like, I'll just take water. You know, I don't <laughs> feel like you can just start making demands. And so, you know, yeah, they're coming in and they're like, sandwich. Oh, yeah, I want beer. I want red wine. Like, I don't, it's just a whole thing. Uh, so... Once they're done eating, um, they sing about their home under the Lonely Mountain and how they are ousted by Smaug, who came to make his hoard on their gold and gem stores. These are like classic mining dwarves we're talking about, so they have a lot of really beautiful, like beautifully smithed metals and gems. Bilbo's kind of sucked into this plan, becoming the company burglar, and he sets off with the dwarves to enter the Lonely Mountain. Um, So clearly bilbo is very concerned here about being correct socially and like on the hospitality front which makes sense because when the hobbit's lifestyle is all about like eating and being unbothered you have to imagine that like hospitality is a big deal yeah. but this also seems to harken back to like i mean you think of like e- tolkien is growing up in like the early 20th century right and um it kind of harkens back to like old England and old America, where like in the 18th and 19th centuries, it was really common for people to just like come in off the road and expect to be offered
1: meals and accommodations for a few days. Yeah. You well, remember I mean, a lot of places where those like hospitality codes yeah. exist, especially like way, way back where like it was really hard to travel and stuff. So if you like showed up at somebody's door, they had to feed you, you know, and yeah. like eat there or whatever. Yeah.
0: So even though Bilbo, clearly would rather be like left alone and not have to deal with these people his own sense of correctness prevents him from just like shutting the door in their face like we would today because can you imagine people are like hey can i
1: come in and have some tea and you'd be like ha, no go away <laughs> You're like, you like close the door and <laughs> you've never met you'd be like yeah. uh, you can stand on the porch and i might get you some tea <laughs> yeah, i'll bring you a bottle of water um let's see
0: But this explains why he's so like flustered about the dwarves being there, but also like feeds them everything from his larder, almost to the point of going without himself. I mean, they really do like they clean him out and he says, you know, he's like, I know it's my job as a host. If they eat all the seed cake, then I can't have any. Um, And that's what I'd be thinking, too. I'd be like, please don't eat all the food. I I (laughs) (laughs) I know. Um, but it also explains why he gets so mad at the dwarves for not helping because it was probably really bad form to just like show up for a meal and then not even help like set the table or like bring things up from the cellar. And it's so funny because it's like, you know, we talked about how Tolkien created like languages and things, but I think he also spent a lot of time cultivating like cultures Mm -hmm. because you do see here how different the dwarves dwarven culture is from hobbit culture and you even see later like how different dwarven culture is from like elven culture and they get there and they're like where's the meat you know (laughs) they're just (laughs) eating like leaves and stuff because the because the elves are like oh we're vegetarian um but like like because there's a scene right after this and this is in the movie as well where like right when he complains about them not helping is when they start singing that song that's what bilbo baggins hates and the whole thing is them (laughs) like clean they're cleaning up but they're like throwing plates to each other and just like throwing food across the room and bilbo's like oh my gosh do not ruin my china you know <laughs> he's just mm-hmm. like freaking out and they're just singing this song like mocking him and like how much he cares about the propi- the propriety of this and so it's just funny to see them be like why do you care why are you worrying we're gonna deal with it it's not a big deal and he's just like no i like bilbo's like my spirit animal <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah it, i just feel like it's a cultural difference i just feel like the dwarves just have yeah. a very different sense like they expect it to be fed but i think it's a little more ruckus and there's a little more less standing on ceremony and it's just more like hey we're here feed us we'll clean it up don't worry whereas bilbo yeah. it's very proper and it's like oh would you like to come over for some tea you can help me set the table and so it's just just mm-hmm. different um and but we know that like too, that manners are really big, are, like, a really big British virtue. Like, there's this peculiar, like, British phenomenon of, like, not wanting to bother with other people, but also this visceral need to be, like, polite to a fault. Like, you make yourself uncomfortable and go out of your way to be polite to people you don't want to be polite to. Yeah. So the things that we are... Uh, focusing, I mean, they name like 10,000 foods here, but the things that we're focusing on and actually making today are seed cake and mincemeat meat pie. about
1: um, 10,000 foods to make. <laughs>
0: yeah, it is a lot. Okay, so seed cake has been around since medieval times, and this is historically, not anymore, a staple of British tea time and is also mentioned in Jane Eyre and David Copperfield. Hmm. Um, but it's dry and like mildly sweet which makes it good for drinking with tea and it's lightly flavored with caraway seeds. So I was actually getting a lot of mixed messages about the texture because I've seen people say it's dry, it's mm-hmm. clacky, which I think is akin to like stodgy. Yeah. Um and light in the sense of having been like risen with yeast. But I've also seen it described as a pound cake which would make it like pretty dense and moist so i don't know it can be kind of dry it can be i wonder if people are just over baking it though or like Mm -hmm. making it too high of heat it's possible um but it also sounds like there was a point in time where people were like trying to get fancy with it and trying to make it like a means thing where they would add like yeast and more sugar and other spices to kind of like try to like gentrify it um one woman apparently added allspice cinnamon and ambergris to the recipe look that ambergris Uh uh-huh oh it's like a whale product it's like what sperm whales have like in their head um i know that sounds horrible um i (sighs) So I had to look up what ambergris tasted like because I've always heard of it as being used as like a perfume, like, you know, like in the like sense of Moby Dick, like whalers would go out and they'd bring back meat. But like ambergris was like a huge, like really expensive product Um, because I guess they only found it in like relatively small amounts, but it was like really um, it was really desirable for perfume that was like Like the the
1: smell or because of interesting the that's smell. weird um because i've right that an animal product like that would be desirable for the smell oh uh, well no okay well let
0: me finish talking about whales first um yeah i was reading that it has kind of like a woodsy smell someone described it as the smell of like leaf cover in like forests um okay. as far as animal products and their smell um there is a product i can't remember the name of it but it is used regularly um for to like scent things with a vanilla scent and also like in artificial vanilla to give it that scent and it's made from the anus glands of a beaver
1: i knew that yeah okay, totally knew that yeah i knew where you were going with it i was like it's the beaver yeah it is <laughs> and it's funny because it comes from an animal so it can still
0: be labeled as like a nat, like an all-natural product and that's why you have to be careful with labels that
1: say all natural because that doesn't necessarily mean you want to eat it yeah it's still not necessarily desirable i know i told kennedy that one time and she was like ew this this has natural flavoring it probably has beaver pee in it um
0: yeah well the ambergris thing gets worse i i looked it up to see what it tasted like um and someone described the flavor as starting as floral and ending in armpit so that's encouraging (laughs) (laughs) i thought okay so i don't know why i thought this but like i always thought that ambergris just came from this like compartment in like a sperm whale's head and it was just like some kind of oil or something that they use that's what i would assume yeah apparently it's not apparently it's basically like poop and it's like a result of like whale indigestion so (laughs) I was like, I read Moby Dick and In the Heart of the Sea, and somehow I missed, still missed that.
1: What is, like, I people are weird to me. Like, I don't understand how certain things happened. Like, who mixed together all of the things that make a cake and were like, oh, look at this amazing thing I made. Like, who yeah. thought to do that in the first place? And then who, who went to a beaver's Anal gland and was like, "Hey, that kind of smells like vanilla." <laughs> and i like, decided to put it in food. Who does stuff like that? I don't understand. Oh <laughs> man, um, I don't
0: know. No, it's true because I was thinking that about the civet coffee too. Like, the most expensive coffee in the world is made from coffee beans that have been eaten and pooped out by civets, and it, like, ferments in their stomachs, and so it, like, gives it a certain flavor, and then they just, like, wash off the beans and make coffee out of it.
1: (laughs) Who said that in the first place? And then who learns about it and is, like oh, yes, I will still drink this. Or, ooh, that sounds interesting. I would like to try that. <laughs>
0: but caraway seed apparently grows throughout Europe pretty easily, unlike most other spices.
1: That makes sense. I feel like I see it in a lot of European foods. I mean, it's in sauerkraut, and, you know. Yeah.
0: Well, and that's what I was reading was that, like, yeah, there are foods like that that, are, that have it used caraway as, like, staples, but mm-hmm. that in, you know, Germany and other, other places, but that it really isn't used much in British cooking. Mm -hmm. um and this seems to be like the only british staple that calls for caraway interesting um interestingly though there's speculation that historically this cake didn't actually contain seeds of any kind and was instead like a currant or a plum cake but it was called a seed cake because it was given to seed sowers by farm owners during a seed time festival as a reward
1: and then somebody just took it literally and was like, oh, you put seeds in this. This cake should have seeds in it and ambergris. <laughs> Ew, gross. I do know. That uh, sounds okay to have like a currant cake yeah. after I just like bashed dried fruit. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking currant must be
0: so abundant in the uk that must be like a yeah. big thing because you got like ribena and then we just got a universal yum box from the uk and it had like these little chewy i don't remember what they were called they were millions millions i think that's what they're called and
1: they were like these little chewy like black currant things they looked mm-hmm. like nerds but they were well, chewy i feel like a lot of british recipes that i see call for currants and i'm like where do i even yeah. get currants? like
0: yeah, that's not like a thing here
1: yeah. I, I mean, I can, I found dried currants in my commissary, but I think that that's weird. I don't usually see dried currants mm-hmm. in the dried fruit section at the, like, okay, guys though, here's the thing. The dried fruit section of American grocery stores is like 90% raisins. Yeah. And then you have like 5% apricots. cranberries or like 8% cranberries and like 2% dried cranberry or apricots. And then sometimes you have maybe print. a mango. Yeah, that that's like it. Like it really is. It's like ninety percent raisins. So
0: yeah, like you can't just buy like or like you know citrus peel like that's been candied or anything like that. I mean, you can get that if you're at like a specialty store. I'm thinking that's like something you find at Williams Sonoma during a certain time of the year. They're like, look at our
1: Trader Joe's has a lot of dried fruit options. They will do like mandarin Mm -hmm. orange slices or yeah, and kiwi and pineapple and stuff like that and sometimes i will see things like that but your run-of-the-mill grocery store it it really is mostly raisins we just don't eat a whole lot of dried fruit in america
0: it's it is kind of funny like when i was looking at these recipes particularly for the mince pie i had to order a lot of stuff on amazon okay so let's talk about mince pie now so mince pie or mincemeat pie is also a medieval staple. It is called mincemeat because it used to actually be made of mincemeat, but today it is made of dried fruit and preservatives like alcohol and fat. And I'm wondering if it's meant to
1: emulate the texture of meat. Oh, that's interesting. And I wonder why it changed. Like, why is it not meat anymore?
0: Yeah, I'm not sure um is it that like sometimes you can find like recipes that still are Mm. but okay so um honestly the old versions of mincemeat sound like what it is now just with the addition of meat Um, so it was like meat and dried fruits and preservatives um but the point i guess was was that it was a way to preserve the meat sorry preserve the meat without curing or smoking or like other common preservation methods
1: okay and now that that's not necessary really then it's not necessary to have the meat in the pie yeah and now it's it's also usually a christmas thing right Mm -hmm. yeah yeah we'll talk
0: about that a little bit Okay, so it was commonly made out of mutton, but it could also include beef, pork, rabbit, or game meat. Um, and apparently Henry V served a mince pie at his coronation, so it was fancy,
1: I guess. Yeah, think so.
0: Or um, maybe expensive. Yeah, it might have been. Um, but they can also be called Christmas pies. shred pies? Because hmm. of, like, the shredded suet. Um crib cakes and wayfarer's pies.
1: Interesting. Those are all very different names.
0: Yeah. Um the the shredded suet. Suet is like a beef fat that comes from what is it? Like the liver surrounds the liver of a cow. Um but it has like a really high smoke point so people use it all British people use it a lot for like things like pies and things that you have to like boil or cook at a high heat or fry um, yeah. because i guess it just like gives you less chance of burning and then like a better texture than like lard or like butter because mm-hmm. butter has a really low smoke point um so today there are tip they typically are a staple of british christmas spread So yeah, so historically it was served along with Christmas pudding on the Sunday before Advent, and I couldn't figure out what the significance of that was, but apparently according to, this is, I think this is like old tradition, I don't think people do this anymore, but according to tradition, mincemeat should only be made by stirring clockwise to give good luck and fortune in the coming year, no word on why clockwise. That sounds
1: like a potion
0: yeah right like turn yeah. twice clockwise and once counterclockwise yeah uh, because why not um but every member i guess is supposed to give the mincemeat a stir and then they make a wish and you're supposed to eat one mince pie for every 12 days of christmas that's not fun but the reason it's a christmas staple is because of the fact i guess that the meat was preserved so it could be eaten like in months um, when food was scarcer
1: but i thought that that was the opposite that like you ate the vegetables in the winter months and preserved them and you killed the animals in the winter because they would be alive and then but I guess you would have to preserve it or would it preserve easier because it was the winter and it was cold I don't um, know. I'm
0: sure it just kind of depends it's probably a mix but I'm sure that there was a lot of curing and things like that happening to like save up for winter months um, but it is also apparently common for children to leave out mince pies and whiskey or brandy for Santa, which I have to say, parents in England seem to have a better thing going than, like, milk and cookies. Oh, uh,
1: no, nah, cookies are better than mince.
0: I'm just saying, from, like, the regular population, though, of people who, like, actually drink, I have to imagine whiskey is more desirable than, like, a glass of milk that's been
1: sitting out well, for two hours. I agree, <laughs> but then Santa's drunk by the time he gets to us. <laughs> maybe it's just part of the christmas magic that he does not become (laughs)
0: inebriated you don't drink and slay (laughs) um so anyway the mince pie and the seed cake along with the food that bilbo pulls out of his larder, seems to just be like staples and comfort food because hobbits are all about being comfortable and cozy and that seems to be reflected in their food choices so
1: it also seems like hospitality because he obviously has way more than he can eat Yeah. Right, in his larder and he has baked these things. So there are things that he can put in the larder so that when things like this happen, he has an, you know, a store to pull out because obviously he feeds these dwarves. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think it also serves that hospitality
0: purpose. Yeah. It's, I'm sure it does um but it says that bilbo was saving these seed cakes as like an after-dinner morsel so clearly this was meant to be like his little treat um and then then the things like the chicken and the pickles and the eggs and the cheese are all just like food i'm sure he likes to eat on a regular basis that keeps him comfortable and fat and happy in his little hobbit hole um but now it's like as if to highlight the discomfort and the discordance that he feels at having the dwarves in his home he's forced to give up all of this comfort food to people he doesn't even know and doesn't even want in his home but feels compelled by hospitality to accommodate Mm -hmm. and so that's the thing is that maybe he does have extra like in the case of you know like unexpected guests but he ends up feeding 15 people i'm sure
1: unexpected guest was like two people max you know Maybe this was the dwarves way of being nice and making sure that none of the food spoiled while he was gone on his adventure. <laughs> right? so we are when doing he you a got favor. back, it didn't mold and smell and was disgusting. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <funny>. um,
0: <laughs> good guy dwarves. Um, okay, so that's all I have for the food. Okay, so with that, it's time to try our seed cake. Um, yeah. my, so I made like a bigger one i guess it was supposed to be like a four inch i just threw mine all in like a nine inch spring form and
1: so yeah, mine I mean, is
0: large and mine
1: mine is small and thick and it's quite dense actually it is cutting into it i like i haven't tasted it yet but just cutting it it's really thick it's very dense.
0: it doesn't it's funny because i mean just looking and feeling the texture like i'm thinking there's a possibility it could be dry and clacky (laughs) yeah even though those seem mutually exclusive it smells it it does
1: smell really good it smells really good i'm trying to pinpoint what it smells like to me something that i really like and for some reason i can't pinpoint it nutmeggy and did you use cinnamon or did you use mace um those were not in the ingredient list on the one I made. Yeah, they were. Okay,
0: there was so there were two recipes in the list. Like there was the original old-timey recipe which called for nutmeg and mace. And then oh. there was a newer version recipe that called for nutmeg and cinnamon as a replacement for the mace because mace is kind of like an old lady
1: oh. spice. I'm not- missed the old version then because i just clicked on the link that you had in there and made whatever it was that was oh, yeah. in there no
0: it was in it the old version was in there but it was like in the biography
1: part <laughs> you know where you have to oh okay so i didn't actually read the blog post i just skipped to the recipe so i missed it
0: so but mine's i guess you had cinnamon
1: it. in it yeah it's nutmeggy and cinnamony but very lightly so and it still smells kind of bready like it's it smells really good Yeah. I think people are weird about mace because it's like an
0: old lady's spice and I guess they think it's too spicy. But honestly, I just think it fits in there with all spice and all kind of those folly spices.
1: Yeah. I like mace. smell amazing. And there was mace in the mince pie. Yeah. We're just uh, waxing poetic about how good this thing smells. We're not even telling you how good it tastes. I'm going to be really disappointed now if it doesn't taste like really good. Yeah. All right, bite time. Okay, so I'm
0: getting a lot of caraway right off of that. Okay, so disclaimer.
1: Caraway is what you're supposed to use, but I couldn't find caraway anywhere, and I wasn't going to pay $21 to buy a gigantic thing off Amazon. So I used poppy seeds because it said in the recipe that you can use them. So I'm not getting any caraway flavor. I actually really like it. It's
0: probably better, honestly, with poppy seeds. The I don't love caraway because to me it has like a licorice flavor, which I hate. Um, It's actually, it's not too bad. The caraway, like I'm tasting the caraway, but it is not overpowering. Honestly, it tastes kind of
1: citrusy to me. It does. Which is strange. I totally agree with you. It it does. It has a citrusy aftertaste. It's almost like, I mean, especially for me, because I've got the poppy seeds. It's almost like a lemon, like a really dense lemon poppy seed loaf. Yeah. Like a little bit of a drier version of your typical bakery lemon poppy seed. I Actually, I'm really enjoying this. It's like the spices are light, so it's not... It, they're not overpowering the texture although dense is not unpleasant there's a little sin- there's a little sugary crust on the top of mine I don't know if there is on yours but like it said to sprinkle sugar on top and I was like ooh, it's like the banana oh, bread yeah. I and I forgot to do that <sighs> oh man I okay I'm, I'm enjoying really it good way, more, way more than I thought I would like to the point where I feel like I might actually make this again because it tastes really good I think i would make it again with poppy seeds
0: yeah. um just because i don't prefer caraway what i was reading was that was that like if you use, like you can use poppy seeds as a substitute and they're like in the modern sense like that counts because they are seeds yeah. but in the old timey sense it doesn't count because it's like it's not a seed cake if it doesn't have caraway okay so it's time to rate so ashley would you tell us what our rating was for time
1: Yes, our time rating is trois baguettes. So three baguettes for this because it's really, really little hands-on time. Um, It's just kind of your typical cake. You throw it in the mixer, you put it in your uh, cake tin, and then you pop it in the oven. Mine did take, even even though I only made one four-inch cake, and guys, four inches is like teeny-weeny, it took still like 50 minutes in the oven at 300 degrees. So you do need to like do it on a day when you're at home, but that's all hands-off time. The hands-on time is really minimal. So we gave it trois baguettes, three baguettes for time. Okay. And then our
0: rating for ease is... Toi baguette. Um again, I mean this really is just like a mix it up and bake it kind of a deal. There's no special steps you have to take. Um you know, and I was even thinking like with the flavor of this and with how fast it is, this is probably something that would be good to make for like book club or like a little party, like a little, you know, garden party or like a simple Oh yeah. or like a simple party you're having. And Ashley's going to tell us what we have for a taste.
1: Okay, guys, if you couldn't tell already, toi baguette. Yay! The- and this is the second time only that we have had to trois, trois, trois baguette, And so you're gonna get your special
0: ha, 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 oh. oui, oui, baguette.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but yes, we obviously really, really enjoyed the taste of this. We feel like it'll be really versatile. It's easy, it's great. Um, so definitely, definitely go make this recipe. All around a winner. Okay, so now it's time to try the mince pie. I'm nervous. Me too. Okay, so I I told the story about the mince pie that my friend Emma gave me that I did not like. And then I haven't tasted the mince pie yet, but I had five. And so my daughter took one last night and she was like, It's interesting. (laughs) Like, okay. I know. He's like i don't like it but it's not gross and she ate probably two-thirds of it and then threw the rest away partially because raisins were falling on the floor and she was annoyed at the mess that she had to clean up so.
0: <laughs> well i'm gonna say i i used puff pastry and i know you okay. did too as opposed to like making i don't know what is it, what a, that was supposed to be a hot water crust or something yeah it was
1: like a hot water crust
0: um and i will say the pastry looks really good so i'm like i'm like, Looking forward to the pastry, not so much the filling. Also, I messed mine up because I halved my recipe, but I forgot to half my sugar. And so I'm afraid it's going to be, like, disgustingly sweet.
1: Yeah. And I just did kind of like a doesn't make hair version of this. And I did not bake it in the oven. I cooked it on the stove because I wanted it to go a lot faster. So mine is also kind of a weird version. Okay bite all of this dried fruit. Ugh. Yeah. No. I don't,
0: maybe this is just like one of those, this has got to just be one of those like acquired taste kind of things.
1: Well, I think it is. And I think also, once again, I know we keep saying this, but I think it really comes back to the dried fruit. And I'm not a raisin person. Just like most raisins. Um... I mean, okay, the flavor is not super gross. Like, I don't. Want it's not. It's not as bad as the mints that my friend gave me. That I was like, plant. This has some like citrusy notes because it has lemon and orange juice in it, and I think that that's helping it. It, it really is the dried fruit. I think if it was just, like, the flavor of the syrup on something else, just like on apples or something, it might not be so bad. But, like, I didn't finish my bite. The texture is weird. The – it's just – mince is just not my thing.
0: To me, it's a combination of the flavor and the texture. I'm getting a lot of the fat flavor, which I'm really not enjoying. Um, oh, yeah. And then I'm getting, because did you use butter for yours? butter, yeah. So this recipe calls for suet, which is beef fat um, from like a cow's liver or something. I wasn't able to get suet in time, so I used lard, which is like, like they want you to use something that has like a high smoke point, but lard just has such a horrible flavor. And so I'm getting a lot of the lard flavor. Mm -hmm. Um, Mine is also kind of bitter. Oh, is Um, it? Yeah, and so I'm not enjoying it because of that.
1: Mine's super sweet. Oh, mine's not very sweet at all actually. Well, I think because I used butter, my sugar caramelized or like the butter and the sugar made caramel mm-hmm. um around the stuff and so it's it's just re- it's really thick and really sticky and I don't know. It's just it's just not bleh. Yeah, mine's just
0: kind of like has kind of a gritty sort of texture. Oh, I mean, it's gritty. soft, but like, like just very, there's a lot of particulate. <sighs> yeah. so, so you can tell by how enthusiastic we are. <laughs> this one's <laughs> probably not going to get a triple baguette again. Yeah. Um, okay, so for time, we rated this a baguette. And the reason is that there's just a lot of like components and it's like while there is a good amount of like hands off time it's one of those things where you have to plan ahead like you have to know the night before that you're making this put all the stuff together let it soak. like the mince is not particularly hard to make you just kind of throw it in a bowl but then it's like you have to let it soak and then the next day you have to bake it for two and a half hours and then you have to you know make the dough and like cut it into different circles and you know fill so it's just kind of a finicky process um, mm-hmm. where there are just a lot of steps to getting there. And so it's not like hard, but it takes a long time. And I don't I don't feel like the effort is even worth the result.
1: Yeah. And then Ashley's is going to give us our rating for ease. Okay. So for ease, we also said de baguette um, because the mince is not particularly hard to put together Um, you know, making the little, none of the like individual pieces and techniques in this are super hard. So we didn't feel like it merited a one, but there are some ingredients that at least in America are a little difficult to find. Currants, certain spices, um, you know, stuff like that. And then if you were to make the pie crust, like sometimes people have a hard time with pie crust we just you know got frozen puff pastry and cut out little circles so that is fairly easy but if you were going to make the crust then that's you know an extra step and something that sometimes is a little finicky okay and then for taste we're giving this un
0: baguette (laughs) um which I feel kind of bad because i'm like because this is like a total like british staple but like i think this is an acquired taste i think this is something that you grow up eating it and you love it because of that yeah um and you know maybe like you- marmite. <laughs> yeah yeah like marmite um and so like you know this is just not it and it's not just that it's an acquired taste but it's also that it's like British people just eat a lot of dried fruit right and Americans just don't and so it's just I think it's just culturally a lot different but the thing is that for me the flavor just wasn't even there it wasn't even like I don't love this because I'm not used to it it was like I don't love it because it actually tastes bad um so I don't know if that was just the recipe or like if I used I think maybe some of my ingredients were not like exactly the way they needed to be so like for me it was bitter ashley was saying hers was kind of like overly sweet and like i just think we had a lot of issues i think i think maybe if we went to england and like ate real mince pie we'd have a better chance of having something that tasted like better
1: well i don't know because my friend made those mince pies and she is british (laughs) like maybe she just had a bad recipe (laughs) Maybe, or maybe she got, like, jarred mints or something. Yeah. I don't know.
0: So I did actually see when I was researching mince pie, I found, like, some company that sells, like, frozen mince pies. So I'm wondering, like, you know, what percentage of people, like, buy their mince pies frozen and what percentage of people are making them. And I'm wondering if it's a kind of even split, kind of like in the U.S. with, like, you know, your
1: pumpkin pies and stuff for, like, Thanksgiving. Yeah. Um, probably a lot of people just buy either jarred mints or frozen, um, because it's easier and they don't want to be bothered with making the mints, which I totally understand. But then I'm sure that there are the snooty people who are like, no, making it homemade is so much better, which is what I would be like.
0: I was going to say, I was like, that would be, well, probably both of us, but at least you, yeah. <laughs> um, Okay, well, that's all we have today for the Hobbit. Thanks for joining us. And we hope you enjoyed it. Um, if you want to try this stuff at home, we've got recipes um, and going up on our socials. Um, you can check those out at Twitter at the Bitten Pod or on Instagram at the Bitten Word Podcast. Definitely recommend you made the seed cake. We did the ha 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 wee wee baguette for you, so that means you're obligated. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. Yeah. Um, if you want to see recipes and more and everything all in one place, you can head over to our website at thebittenwordpodcast.weebly.com. You can also email us with questions, recipe ideas, suggestions, um, pictures of stuff that you made yourself, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, and send them to us at thebittenwordpodcast at gmail.com. Also, if You are so inclined. You can help us continue running the podcast by helping us get better equipment and hard to find ingredients so that we can keep making good content for you. Um, You can donate at uh, our Buy Me A Coffee page, which you can find through our link tree, or you can donate straight to our anchor page. Donations are not expected, but they are very much appreciated and put to good use. You know how much money I spent on Bavril yesterday? <laughs> I know, it's really expensive. <laughs> um, also, like, all this crap that went in this mince pie that I didn't even like.
1: <laughs> 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 one, uh, like
0: <laughs> <laughs> the rest are just going in the trash, man. Um... Anyway, uh, be sure to join us next week because we are going to be looking at the book Scythe, which I'm told is like the hot ticket in middle school. So, <laughs> so if you're into that, very good book actually. Um, good. Check-
1: I got the second one on my on my list. It's like on sixth on my <laughs> to-be-read list.
0: Oh, I know. I have it. It's sitting on my shelf and I just haven't gotten to it yet. Um, but Definitely recommend reading the book and then come join us for what should be an interesting conversation and hopefully some good food.
1: Yep, we're making pot roast. I like pot roast. I do too. So until then, happy reading and I'm going on an adventure!